Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life Hello and better. welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week. Wanted to report back, had a couple of unique milestones, I guess is the best way to put it, hit this week. First one was that the show itself crossed having over 100,000 downloads since I've started it. That's amazing to me. can only remember when I started this and thought, geez, if I can get 1,000 downloads, 2,000 downloads, I think that'll be amazing. So to cross over 100,000 downloads after the last couple of years is just fantastic. Again, it's 126 countries, 100,000 plus downloads. It shows how we're all being brought together by this commonality, this axial spondyloarthritis. The other item is that in the United Kingdom, they just crossed 8,000 downloads just out of the United Kingdom. So huge round of applause for them. That's amazing. I love to see these countries as they hit these milestones for downloads. So let's look at today's episode. For today's episode, I wanted to talk about how does ankylosing spondylitis affect the body. This episode, we're going to talk about ankylosing spondylitis. In other episodes, we may cover the non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Those two together are under the umbrella term of axial spondyloarthritis. But for this episode, let's look at how does ankylosing spondylitis affect the body. I saw a great article out of myspondylitisteam.com. And when I review these articles, they're really not to be a be-all, end-all for you. They're designed to prompt you with questions for your rheumatologist, things to cause you to say, hey, I didn't think of that. I need to look into this further and really allow you to delve deeper into the condition that affects all of us. With that, let's look at this article. So some of the key takeaways that we know, and this is things that we've covered in many other episodes before, but ankylosing spondylitis can cause pain and inflammation in the spine and it can affect other joints. Well, that I think everybody listening understands that. There can also be eye inflammation, inflammatory bowel disease, and heart problems that can develop as complications of AI. And then finally, women with spondylitis are more likely than men to experience pain in their arms and legs and to develop certain complications. AS can also complicate pregnancy for a woman. That's a key item right there. You'll see a lot of posts on the different forums on Facebook where you'll see women say, I've got neuropathy in my arms and legs and I don't know why and I'm not finding anything that helps it. Where men generally don't have that, it's much more common in women and it's something to be aware of and something that you definitely want to talk to your rheumatologist about. So with that, when we look at ankylosing spondylitis, which is also called radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, we have an inflammatory disease that is caused by the body's immune system attacking its tissues, primarily the bones of the spine and your hips. If left untreated, the inflammation in AS can cause damage to joints, muscles, tendons, and other body parts, much of which is irreversible. That's why an early diagnosis and early aggressive treatments can just increase your overall quality of life. So although ankylosing spondylitis symptoms vary greatly from person to person. And I I say this, if you put 10 of us together, we're all going to be affected 10 different ways. There are some common items like lower back pain and hip pain that we all generally tend to share those items. Now, AS is caused by inflammation of the spinal joints. And people with this condition, you know, they'll typically have the low back pain, as I mentioned, and the symptoms are 
generally worse after periods of rest or immobility. So that's why you have the pain when you wake up in the morning because you've hopefully been resting six, eight hours. We know that that generally is not the case. Many of us sleep much less than that, but that's the hope is that, you know, you've got some rest, you've had immobility, and then you're sore in the morning when you wake up. The more you move, the less that soreness persists. So again, as you have movement, activity, hopefully your symptoms are improving. As you develop more fusing in the body, those symptoms might not go away as quickly or at all. So what does ankylosing spondylitis do to the spine? Well, ankylosing spondylitis causes inflammation of the vertebrae, which is, you know, your joints and your spine. The inflammation is a process within the body that is usually helpful. It's the body's way of healing injury and fighting infection. But during this inflammation, the immune system increases blood flow to the affected area and allows fluid to build up, which helps flush out any germs or foreign particles. In some health conditions, including ankylosing spondylitis, the immune system mistakenly attacks healthy cells within the body. This leads to chronic, you know, or ongoing inflammation that can damage tissue and affect the body in many ways. Also, in people with ankylosing spondylitis, this cycle of inflammation and repair occurs in the ligaments, tendons, and joints in the back and the hips. This process causes scarring in these tissues. Over time, the chronic inflammation can lead to bone fusing together in a process known as ankylosis. Sections of the spine actually fuse together, causing a person to become stiff and immobile. Eventually, ankylosing spondylitis can lead to pain, decreased flexibility, and posture problems. And I tell people that look at somebody that's had this disease either untreated for many years or got treated later in life. You'll see usually hunched over. In my case, I'm hunched over. I'm looking at the floor and my neck is not completely fused yet. So I don't have that completely down uh, stare. And I try to try to keep my head back and mobile and active as much as possible. But that's one thing that you can generally tell somebody with ankylosing spondylitis is that they'll be staring at the floor. Not everyone though with ankylosing spondylitis will develop fusions, but AS can put a person at an increased risk for spinal fractures because the spine becomes stiffer and has less range of motion the newer, weaker bone forms. So that there is exactly the reason why you're suggested to not see a chiropractor. If the chiropractor doesn't understand AS or is not well versed in it, they can give you a jarring motion and that can fracture, break your back, break your neck, break a hip because that bone in your body is now weaker. That is why certain organizations like the Spondylitis Association of America and many others tell you not to seek chiropractic care when you have AS. Again, you need to know your body and you need to know what is right for you. For many people who haven't had any type of fusing, chiropractic care may be a great option for you. But only you know your body and you know what's going to be appropriate for you. So how can ankylosing spondylitis affect the rest of the body? Well, I mean, we'd be here all day if we went through all the options. But again, this article and my show is designed to just get you thinking about how do I go do research on what I'm experiencing. So we know that some people with ankylosing spondylitis develop complications in other parts of the body. Although it's a primarily a disease of the spine, you know, AS can also affect other organs such as the eyes, heart, digestive system, and the muscles. So what are some of these items like joint problems? Well, over time, ankylosing spondylitis can affect other joints outside of the spine. Most joints have small amounts of synovial fluid, and this helps to keep the joints lubricated and support healthy cartilage. When joints experience inflammation, the amount of the synovial fluid increases. This process can lead to pain and swelling. This is what happened to my hips. And eventually the cartilage was completely gone on my hips. It was bone on bone and that necessitated hip replacements for me. 
about one out of three people with ankylosing spondylitis have inflammation in the hips or shoulders. These joints may feel painful, and the pain can sometimes radiate out to nearby areas such as the knees. People who experience pain in the sacroiliac joint, you know, your hip, may be more likely to have a more severe condition. Jaw problems affect around 15% of people with ankylosing spondylitis. This can have a significant effect on a person's quality of life. Some people with this condition have trouble chewing or swallowing. Many people with ankylosing spondylitis also have problems with their ribs and other bones that make up the chest. The fusion of spinal sections often leads to a rounding of the spine called kyphosis. This can cause the rib cage to stiffen and make it more difficult for the chest to expand properly while breathing. I've seen people that this has been the primary area where their AS has affected them and it's miserable for them. It restricts their ability sometimes to turn at the waist and to properly carry on certain types of body maintenance issues. So all of it is bad. So just be aware of that and it's why it's so important to continually try to do deep breathing exercises, keep the swimming if you can going, everything that will allow your lungs to expand, to expand and continue to work those ribs. Many people with AS also experience inflammation of the ribs, costochondritis, which can cause chest pain that may be mistaken for cardiovascular problems. Also basically an inflammation of the cartilage in the ribs, but it may feel like intense chest pain. You know, one person that commented on this article said that they thought their sternum was hurting. It was all above, you know, their diaphragm. You'll see sometimes people that are new to this condition even maybe think they're having a heart attack because of the heaviness in their chest. It's all these things are things that you want to be aware of. Even if you haven't experienced these type of symptoms, be aware that it's a possibility and that you may experience them at some point in the future. And while this condition is not dangerous with the rib expansion and usually can go away on its own, the symptoms can be managed with medication and physical therapy and exercise as well. You can also have muscle symptoms. When the enthesis, which is the area where ligaments, joint capsules, and tendons attached to the bone become inflamed, you know, the inflammation is known as enthesitis. The inflamed areas become very painful and are known as hot spots. I had this happen to my knees a few times when I was younger. Knock on wood, my knees have held up fairly well considering everything else that's gone wrong with me. But I have had some issues with the knees in the past and it is miserable and you will know it when it comes in and happens to you if it does. Enthesitis may commonly be felt as pain in the foot or the heel. Muscles around areas of enthesitis can become weaker due to pain and disuse. So kyphosis can cause the muscles of the heart and lungs to weaken as they cannot expand as much as they once were able to. In addition, the postural muscles, which help control balance, endurance, and coordination can become weaker. All of this ties in together and just gives you an idea of all the things that can come into play at some point in the future. Either you have experienced them or you may experience them. And if you haven't, just again, be aware that they are possibilities. Another thing is eye inflammation. About half of people with ankylosing spondylitis will develop eye inflammation, also called iritis or uveitis. Eye inflammation can lead to serious damage to the eyes or even blindness, and it requires immediate evaluation by a doctor. So if you think you're developing iritis, it's usually, or uveitis, is usually pressure on the eye and pain, and any amount of light, is, you're just sensitive, it's very, very painful. Symptoms of iritis can include eye pain, red eyes, blurry vision, and sensitivity to light. If you notice any of these symptoms, seek advice from an ophthalmologist right away. I've done a couple episodes on this, and I've talked about my own issues with it. When I was first, you know, I was 21 or so 
right after hip replacement. I thought I had pink eye, was being treated for pink eye, and it wasn't going away. And finally, on a Sunday night, had to go to the emergency room. Turned out to be a bout of iritis. The ophthalmologist, who had just happened to be at the emergency room for another case, came in and looked at me and he said, you know, you've got a hot one there. And he says, you're not too far away from losing the permanent vision in that eye. And he says, you're not going to like the treatment of this, but it will get it under control. A shot in the eye of steroids and then a heavy course of steroids over the next month, along with dilation drops and a few other things, got it under control. I've not had an episode of it in probably a dozen years, maybe, but they do take longer and longer to heal as I get older and older and my body becomes weaker and weaker to fight this stuff. So be aware that this is not something that will go away usually in a day or two from treatment. This can take you weeks, if not months, to get under control. You can also have digestive system problems. Things like IBS affect about 6% to 14% of people with ankylosing spondylitis. Many people with ankylosing spondylitis, you know, they'll have inflammation throughout the digestive system, although they have not been diagnosed with IBD. So IBD, you know, can consist of two different disorders, like Crohn's disease or UC, ulcerative colitis. IBD causes ongoing inflammation in the digestive tract, leading to symptoms like pain, diarrhea, and blood in the stool. And researchers are still studying why there is a link between ankylosing spondylitis and IBD. Genetics may play a role. Additionally, people with AS often have changes in the types of bacteria that live in their digestive system, which may lead to the disease. So again, it's something that's being looked at. They really aren't 100% sure, but you know, again, this can lead you to discussions with your rheumatologist, your general practitioner, and you know, research that you can do on your own. You can also experience possibly heart problems. About 2 to 10% of people living with AS are estimated to have heart complications, and this may occur before the typical symptoms of AS appear. Cardiovascular issues may include aortitis, which is the inflammation of the aorta, the largest artery in the body, aortic valve disease, conductive disturbances, which is, you know, like abnormalities in the heart rhythm, cardiomyopathy, which is a condition where heart becomes larger and weaker, making it harder for the heart to pump blood to the rest of the body, and isometric heart disease, which is a disorder in which there is a reduced blood flow in the heart, to the heart muscle, and it does not receive enough oxygen. So again, be aware of that. There's also nervous problems that you could encounter. Ankylosing spondylitis can eventually lead to caudate equine syndrome, which is a complication that affects the nerves. So during caudate equine syndrome, inflammation causes scarring in the nerves at the base of the spinal cord, and this nerve damage may lead to like a loss of bladder and bowel control, absent or abnormal sensations in the buttocks or the saddle area, weakness in the legs, and even sexual dysfunction. So all of those are something that you want to be aware of, and if they seem to be affecting you or something doesn't seem correct, make sure to bring this up to your doctor. Also, what about ankylosing spondylitis and women's health? Well, until recently, spondylitis was thought of mainly to affect men, but researchers have realized that this form of inflammatory arthritis develops equally often in women, and it can affect women in different ways. Women may be less likely to display the signature bone damage of ankylosing spondylitis on x-rays, you know, when they compared to men, but women with spondylitis have more likely to experience these following symptoms. They might have widespread pain that is misdiagnosed as fibromyalgia, and that's the key where I talked about earlier. The earlier the diagnosis, the better the treatment. Well, if you're being misdiagnosed, that can just absolutely crush your quality of life. More peripheral symptoms, you know, in the arms and the legs, that neuropathy-type feelings. More fatigue, worse effects on functioning, you know, just daily. And then a greater likelihood of inflammatory bowel disease. 
Ankylosing spondylitis tends to develop during the teenage years or early adulthood, so women are likely living with the condition during their childbearing years as well. And compared to women who don't have this disease, those who do are more likely to experience complications during pregnancy, delivering preterm, giving birth by cesarean section, or having babies with lower birth weight. So if you have AS and you're planning on having a family, make sure that you work very closely with your rheumatologist and obstetrician so that you can develop a good uh, plan of treatment for yourself during your pregnancies. So how do you treat the effects of ankylosing spondylitis? Well, we've covered this in a number of issues in the past, and you can do this by starting off with NSAIDs, which are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Urometologists may prescribe disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs, such as biologics or methotrexate. You want to use regular exercise and physical therapy to help reduce stiffness and pain in the spine and the muscles. Medications and exercise can also help prevent symptoms in the joints. So ice packs and massage may help to reduce some pain in swelling and deep breathing exercises can also help to keep the bones in the chest flexible. As far as treatment for your eye inflammation associated with ankylosing spondylitis usually include topical corticosteroid drops and dilating eye drops. In more severe cases, an injection of a corticosteroid may be used. And then some tumor necrosis factor inhibitors can also be effective in treating iritis and uveitis. If you have IBD and spondylitis, your doctor may recommend you avoid NSAIDs altogether as these medications may make gastrointestinal symptoms worse. Many doctors prescribe biologics like TNF inhibitors and interleukin-17 inhibitors to treat AS and IBD. So ultimately, I know I threw a lot at you, and we've kind of covered these topics in the past, but I wanted to get this in a new, fresher article that would I had come across and a better discussion for all of us to have with our general practitioners, our rheumatologists. Make sure you have an ophthalmologist that's on you know, call that you can reach out to. You know, it all comes into play for the proper treatment of this condition. As we wrap this up, I wish everyone the best as you develop these treatment plans with your doctors, whether you've been years in dealing with this or whether you're recently diagnosed or even think you have it. Make sure that you're developing the right questions to ask your rheumatologist, to ask your general practitioner, to best ways to present your case to them so that they understand what you're dealing with. There'll be a link you know, to this article in the show notes. You can share it with a doctor. If the doctor tells you that AS is mainly a man's disease, email him this article. Email him my podcast. Say, listen to this. I'm not a medical doctor. Obviously, they know a heck of a lot more than I can. But if I can open their eyes to the understanding that this condition affects women pretty much at the same rate as it does men, they just happen to be much, much less diagnosed. We can work as all of us being advocates to get this much more known and get everybody the proper treatment they need. So with that, make sure you go to spondypodcast.com and sign up for the mailing list. And I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week. Take care.